Good evening, dear listeners, and welcome to Testify here on Eden FM, your voice in paradise. I'm Ingrid Kali Moses, and thank you once again for supporting this ministry, for supporting this radio station of Eden FM. It's been um, a week since we have had a conversation, and last week's guest was also quite interesting, um, telling us his story about how his drug addiction led him to crime and how he got into prison, um, and just the journey in terms of his family, helping him get out of that as well, and what he does now in terms of helping other young people caught up in addiction and seeking uh, a life of rehabilitation and a second chance. Um, and so this evening, I have a similar guest that's got a story also, um, as we know, and that's what this program is about, us glorifying God through our testimonies, um, sharing with others just how um, God's grace uh, can save us. And uh, it's not only for one individual, but for all of us. But before we go there, let me start off this program in prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Dear Father God, thank you so much, Lord, for this week that has passed. Thank you for this day, Father, where you have protected us, Lord. Father God, we come before you now at this hour, and um, the, the day held a lot. But Father, we would like to just hear what you have to say to us. The testimony that the guest is about to deliver, Lord, is his words. But Father, it is by your grace, Father God, that he's able to tell the story. And so, as he speaks, may it bless every single listener wherever they are. Thank you too for this radio station um, and the wonderful work that they do in the community and allowing us as presenters to share stories like this. Please be with every listener there in their household or in their car or wherever they might might find themselves, even if they listen to this program in the future. Jesus, we trust you for your saving grace upon us all. Amen. And so, this evening, my guest's name is Grant Porthen. Grant, good evening. Say hi to the listeners. Hi. Hi, listeners. So, Grant, I know Grant also from my network here in Cape Town. As most of you know, Rodney and I have moved to Cape Town. This is where we are now. But our heart and our love is always in Georgia and in the Southern Cape. And so I met Grant through work. And so I know Grant has a story. I don't know the whole story yet. I'm going to learn just as he shares it with me this evening. But I'd like him to introduce himself. So, Grant, please tell the listeners, who are you? Where do you come from? A little bit about yourself and your background. Oh, hey, um, hi again. I, I grew up in Athlone, um, born and bred. It's a place, uh, I would say, kind of very central in the city, uh, on the Cape Flats, uh, which may be notorious for many, many things. Um, but um, so I, I, from there, I've just moved back there. I married uh, to a wonderful lady by the name of Steph, who, who, who puts up with me. Uh, and I have three kids under five, and they, uh, the eldest is Mercy, uh, the, she's five years old, mm-hmm. uh, the second is Myra, mm-hmm. she's three, and we have a baby, uh, well, he's one years old, and his name is Michael. Oh, fantastic. Michael, all, three all, M's. all the three M's, all under five. Woo! Just so we won't forget. Bless so you. <laughs> Shame, your poor wife. <laughs> but what a blessing nonetheless. 
you know, kids are absolutely a blessing to one. And uh, especially when their characters are so individual, mm. uh, you know, and, and, and God just shows uh, yeah. that dynamicism of each one in our lives. So Grant, um, beautiful story and background about where you've come from. Uh, you married, you've got kids. You have, I'm sure, a testament in a story uh, that is probably as wide as can be. But for this evening, what is it that you feel the Holy Spirit laying on your heart to share with the listeners that could potentially save somebody's life that's listening this evening? I think the sort of theme and the thought that comes to mind is that God is able to move people from destruction and move them and renew their lives and bring them to a place of renewal. Um, and that's when I think about our stories and our stories are, are, um, are everyone has a story, right? And one of the, all of our stories have themes and they, uh, our stories are multifaceted and we have, uh, we have many, many themes, but one of the themes that I can track in my own story is this theme of like God uh, moving me from a place of destruction to a place of renewal. Mm. And, uh, and I, I grew up in, in, in Athlone, um, and uh, actually moving back there is a bit of a homecoming. Mm. Uh, at the moment, yeah, I'm uh, learning more and more about uh, the community that I'm from again. Um, and uh, I, I grew up in the community, and I think like yo, our communities are, are so rich in in creativity mm. and uh, there's such a, an amazing energy around there as well everybody knows everyone you know uh, and uh, tight knit community there are pe- people that are so gifted there mm. and so creative and, and so growing in that space that's one dimension of our communities but also uh, our communities are also communities that have challenges yeah? and so so in the midst of, of our communities being one of a promise there's also a lot of destruction and despair and uh, I growing up in that, that those communities you would often find that, that there are far, a lot of fatherlessness um, and uh, drug addiction teenage pregnancy and so so growing up that as a as a young boy was, was quite a challenging time I think for, 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 for me I grew up uh, my family life growing up was a bit of a anomaly I think in our neighborhood because uh, I grew up with both parents, um, a younger sister, and uh, our, both my parents worked, they had uh, pretty decent jobs. Uh, we got uh, gifts uh, at uh, Christmas time, which I just knew that was, and at our birthdays as well, which um, that seemed to be uh, very, very different. And uh, because our friends weren't getting, my friends growing up weren't getting um, the same, um, the food we ate was different. Um, but I could see a turn in, in um, that story or that comfort and that stability when my dad, he had it, uh, and my mom got divorced. Mm-hmm. He, he had, uh, had an affair and he left us. And, uh, and that was really, really painful, I think, for our family. I think it was extremely painful. Um, but for the grace of God, in the midst of that pain and despair, my mom came home one day and, and she started singing his quirkies at night, yeah. uh, his hymns, and uh, it was strange because he started singing to Jesus, and uh, we were a personal little jukebox 
boxes at at, uh, at, at at night, and we and in the midst of again destruction and despair uh, within that situation, uh, we, we found that my mom was finding hope in Jesus, and we had never thought about uh, uh, Jesus or knew much about him. In fact, I I even thought that. Uh, my mom may have gotten a new boyfriend. You know, like, <laughs> we can't see. Yeah. Uh, but it must be out there somewhere. So, so growing up with that pain and just uh, um, of, of dad leaving, uh, mom going through some stuff, mom having to like navigate financially. What does this? What what does this going to mean for us as a family? And uh, and so that was extremely hard. And I think especially for a young guy growing up on the Cape Flats, um, can I? Trying for identity, trying to find yourself within there. Um, we, we did start going to church. What well, was challenging, we did start going to church uh, with when my mom came to faith. Growing up in a part of just post-1994, quite early, we got the, had the opportunity to to move in areas that we weren't supposed to as well. Yeah. So my mom attended this church that was predominantly white. And I mean... Cape Flats boy growing up in, in, in the wood, uh, experiencing green trees uh, and in a new way. Uh, different kind of just lifestyle. Just different kind of lifestyle, yeah. just different yeah. snapshot. And, but it's in that context again that um, I think I heard the gospel for the first time as a kid. Um, I, I found that Jesus wasn't my mommy's boyfriend. He was this, this figure that they spoke about that... Uh, <laughs> Seemed a bit like a fairy tale as yeah. well because like uh, him dying on the cross for our sin and our need to be saved and uh, and uh, saving us from destruction and despair yeah. and and when we put our trust in Jesus that we, he becomes our friend somehow and so mm-hmm. sounded a bit far fetched for me especially I think in the context that we, that the mess I was I was hearing the message as well uh, because it was so different uh, later on um, uh, when I grew up my 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 uncles were actually part of a gang, um, mm. my mom's uh, brothers, and uh, and they, I remember the first bit of discipleship, disciple making I got from uh, from the gang context or culture was actually my uncle. Sure. Um, he, he he took me sort of under his wing and mm. uh, did things and uh, got exposed to drug dens and, um, and stealing with him mm. and so. Uh, so that was my first, and he really shaped and from a young age taught me how to be a man, you yeah. know, and, uh, yeah. and I looked at his life, and uh, it seemed like he had all the answers as well, in terms yeah. of how to hold your own as a man, yeah. uh, and uh, and that became formative, I, I then joined a, a group of guys uh, in our community that were um, involved in um, gang activity, mm. and uh, at, at a young age of 13, um, and they became a home for me, family for me. And, uh, and I think as a single, from a single parent's perspective, uh, home, I think home became more for more, um, that, that group of guys became more home and family to me than my own family. Yeah. And I think for my mom, it was extremely painful because seeing a kid mm. uh, move into this direction yeah. and man, uh, yeah. she had no control of it. Yeah. And it was, it just consumed me and I mean, as a, as a kid, you have all this hope and dreams. I remember uh, that my mom always to say, "Why are you following these people? You're a leader." Mm. And uh, and 
and she kept like saying that and so I, I suppose your your parents they see something in you that you don't see yourself yeah, yeah. Um, and so she uh, I didn't yeah that I just kept on following these guys and, uh, and they discipled me to a dark dark life of destruction and despair and at the age of 16 my mom uh, she had to make a really tough call I think for um, for her life and my sister's life and she decided to throw me out Sure. Um, at, the, sure. at the age of 16 and so yes. uh, she made a tough call but she feared for her life and my sister's life and mm. uh, and then you know who comes to the rescue then uh-huh. you know <laughs> you know there's, there's only one person that's going to come in, into the rescue and the Khaled family is over and that's Uma uh-huh. uh, you know Mark comes to the rescue and yes. they can call me she's yes. like come 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 here so she took me in and I think staying there um, I didn't see the throwing out as a warning I just continued to pursue that life um, and but I had a goal though my, one of my goals was always to finish matric mm-hmm. I, I don't know why in our communities at least growing up then matric was like yeah. uh, uh, something that people found really difficult to to, to, to attain, to attain. Yeah. Yeah, yeah loads of all my friends were uh, dropping out of school grade 7 uh, or what is it grade 8 now mm-hmm. And uh, and so that was one of my goals. I just wanted to finish matric. But and so in the midst of all of this, these challenges and maybe um, choosing this lifestyle, I still there was still some hope. I still wanted to achieve something. Managed to uh, uh, achieve uh, pass matric. But actually, just before matric was the first time I ended up in prison, sure. uh, jail at least, mm-hmm. uh, for stealing a, a motorbike. Sure. And. Um, that was that, that was my first little running with the law wow. in that way. Yeah. Sure. So we're going to go to a song now, Grant, and when we come back, we're going to hear that story because I think, you know, that what happened at that point took you on another uh, path also, landing up in prison and so forth. So there you hear, uh, listeners, you know, someone that still comes came from a good home. Um, unfortunately, things happened in the family that uh, led him down the wrong path. Uh, through some choices of his and uh, linking with, um, you know, the wrong people. I didn't end up uh, leading him to prison. So we're going to listen now first to this song, When You Found Me by New Birth. Welcome back, dear listeners. That was When You Found Me by New Birth. And so this evening, my guest is Grant Hawthorne. And Grant has been telling us the story of growing up in the Cape Flats from a relatively good home. Um, but then, unfortunately, his mom and dad got a divorce. Uh, he went to church, didn't fully understand it, but also then got into the wrong type of lifestyle, as he um, testified in terms of his uncle and some friends of his and so forth. And this led him to crime, which um, led him into prison. So, Grant, here you are just before matric, and you land up in prison for your crime that you've committed at that time linked to now your, your activities. Um, what then? What happened? Was, yeah. Yeah, I think the, um, the, the challenge that we faced um, then was, um, was again the first time running into the law in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we've had a couple of scares before, but but that was uh, one of the first times that we actually I was actually locked up, mm. and that was a week before I went to 
exams. Sure. Um, and uh, um, but the guy who we stole a motorbike, and uh, the guy who owned the motorbike found out that uh, I was in the trick. And uh, when he found out that we, okay, we were in the trick, um, the, the guys that I did this with, he uh, he dropped the charges. So we stayed there, I think, maybe one or two nights. And then uh, they gave us some community service to do, and um, and that's the first sort of time we, we got off. Um, and by that uh, sort of uh, encounter with the law just escalated because afterwards uh, there were a couple of more run-ins with, with the law. Um, shortly after that, we were arrested for I was arrested for murder. The plan again. Um, I didn't pull the trigger, um, but I saw it, and uh, my friend was later arrested for that. And, and um, but I mean, all, seeing all these things, you, you don't sort of think about man. This life is just destroying you and destroying others. Mm. You know, and, um, I I sold drugs as well growing up. That that was um, uh, say my profession growing up as a teenager. And uh, I also believe in the lie that there's this thing that, that I was meant to deal and sell and, mm. and, and do, be involved in all this negativity. So you sort of buy into the lie that that's who you are. And, that's, um, and that uh, destruction is where you're at. And, uh, and I remember my mom actually, before she threw me out, she said, uh, maybe when we were being just a bold up to us, uh, putting me out of the house, she said, um, you are destroying lives, her words. And, uh, and, uh, and and even thinking about that now, I think in some way you, I, I just believe that, you know, people are, especially young people now, they really uh, don't want to be labeled in a certain way and, and you don't want to take on labels. But I, I really believe in growing up, I took um, upon myself those, that label of like, man, this, I own it, it's me. This is what I'm destined to be, you know. And if I think about a superhero, I would think of, it's probably called me like, I, I want to be like super thug, you know, like just <laughs> thugging it out and just, um, but again, just the selfish nature of just doing things my own way and not even thinking about others and the effects it's having on my family's life, our community, uh, people around me, and uh, and it just got worse. Um, I got off from uh, murder because I didn't pull the trigger on my friend um, at the time that was with me, he was arrested. And he served some time for that, um, but also didn't see this as warnings. Um, about a, a year or two afterwards, I was arrested again. This time for arm robbery, double arm robbery, and um, served some time in prison for that. And again, just not seeing that as warnings came out. Um, and uh, went into the drug trade again. Was sort of uh, uh, things were going well in the sense of uh, financially, you know, houses. Cause and I think status as well. Yeah. The status that it gives you yeah. and uh, and the way people perceive you. Yeah. Um, but I mean, even that, looking back then, it wasn't me. You know, it wasn't uh, who God called me to be. Mm. If I think if I think about that. Um, but but you didn't know that thing. Then you believed that this yeah. was the lifestyle. Then yeah. you believed that this was the way to success and being yeah. at the top. Yeah. yeah, and even looking back at the story now, you can see there are little themes. Even in the midst of the chaos and destruction, there were 
certain gifts that God has like placed in me around like relationships and building community and networking with people and developing and being strategic and and all of those gifts being being used for destruction and despair instead of life. Yeah. And so those things about practice all that and see all of those things are very evident. Even the gift of leadership mm-hmm. uh, at the time as well, which which was actually being utilized for destruction and despair yeah. instead of became a, quite a successful drug dealer game after being in prison and um, and I use the word success lightly. But started using drugs, started using drugs. Um, the one of uh, the leaders in our crew, he was quite a significant um, figure in, in the under, underworld in Cape Town, and and because of his position, that elevated us all, and uh, we uh, got loads of crystal meth tip yes. at, at the time, and uh, and because of this, we start. Uh, I started using it a bit recreationally, mm-hmm. um, and 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 that just destroyed me, destroyed everything, destroyed my mind, destroyed. I lost everything I, I worked for. Uh, continued to destroy others around me, and uh, I found myself uh, at an all-time low. Um, in the midst of all of this, I just had the sense that God was hunting me down somehow, and He kept hounding me. I had a mom, even though she threw me out. She used to send me like SMSs in the morning, you know, just at the strangest early hours of the morning, just for prayers, and and uh, and she would send it at the strangest place because I could, at the strangest times at least because I just sense this uh, in those moments I, I I would often feel alone and uh, and you know when you when you when you when you living that life and in that world nothing is. It's yeah. like everybody's fake, you know, and you don't know who to trust. Yes. And the sort of higher you climb on the ladder, uh, in the in sort of in the in the underworld, your yeah. your people you trust becomes less. Yeah, it's like you call, uh, always need to watch your back. Always, yes. always, always, mm. always, and compounded by drugs as well, yes. like your. You, you become a new neurotic, what they call that? Um, uh, the P. Paranoid. Paranoid. There yeah, we go. Yeah, there yeah, we yeah, go. Yeah. You become paranoid. Yes. Yeah, and, uh, and so so the level your circles become smaller. You start isolating yourself. My mom used to send me these prayers mm-hmm. all the time, and uh, I remember one night I was uh, in this in this in this flat in in, in Rondebosch, uh, and uh, at one of my clients' place. That someone used to buy some stuff from me, and uh, and drugs at the time doesn't discriminate as well because this guy was white. Of course, no, anyone, any level. And so he, I was staying at his place uh, for a couple of nights. I remember one night just having the worst night ever, just having this intense dream that freaked me out. And my mom, uh, I, I remember my mom uh, waking up in the morning in a panic, in a frenzy, and called my mom, and I said. Look, I know you're not speaking to me, but please pray for me. Mm-hmm. And and then she said, Ron, I've been praying for you all night long. And I, she just felt late to pray for me. And she said, I've been praying that the shackles that have enslaved you, that God will set you free from. Oh, wow. And uh, it was crazy. It was a profound moment that actually freaked me out and woke me up from my slumber because when she said that, uh, on this guy's uh, on this guy's wall was a there was a painting of this 
of this person um, on the continent of Africa with the shackles on their on their hands. And so when she said this, I just recognized this this painting on this wall, and the 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 one hand was uh, sort of enslaved by the shackle, and the other on the other hand is the shackle, but it's loose, you know, yeah. it's sort of over the continent of Africa. And, and I thought that the Holy Spirit of God was using that moment because it's weird. She, as she said that this this sort of phrase or, or mm -hmm. sentence, the shackles that have enslaved you will uh, um, you'll be set free. I've been praying that I my, my attention just brought this painting and uh, so Bob was hounding me, he was doing something. He was doing something with me. I remember after having these little moments of just feeling as though someone's hounding me down. Uh, I, I went to my grandmother's place again. And uh, I asked her for a Bible, and so I used to carry this Bible, small little Bible, in this in this bag of like drugs I had. And so every time I felt as though a bit paranoid yes. or a bit like uh, things are not going well, I would, I would read the Psalms, you know, okay. and, uh, and they would I would be able to come at peace again every time. And so so God was definitely doing something, hounding, hounding me down. And uh, but again, like I'm just. I'm looking for this place, right? I'm, I've, I've lost everything at that point, so I'm moving from place to place, client to client, uh, selling. Uh, the, the last person that buys for me at night, I'll, I'll stay there. Um, so that's how I was living uh, because I'd lost everything. So pretty homeless. Yes. Um, and uh, nowhere to go. And then I met this girl, and she, uh, her mom was had a disability. And, uh, and she, um, she she used, she uh, offered me a place to stay. And I thought like, man, this is amazing because I'm looking for a place so I can build myself up again, you know? Yes. And so that's, so I can like pursue this uh, drug trade again and sort of um, escalate it from there. And I just need, know I needed a place. So she offers me this place for free, stay there. I think she was into me though. <laughs> oh, I believe so, I believe she was into me. I knew she was into me. Yes. And then so, Using them, that's what people yeah. the story lives Yes, yes. And uh, the, of the first time staying there, maybe two nights, I think. Yeah, the, uh, it was it was a Sunday morning. I went to the toilet and I was standing in front of the mirror, and something in me just said, "Go to your mom." Like this idea of the school. Yes. Go to your mom, and I thought, like, man, there's no ways I can go to my mom, you know, because. Uh, of our history mm -hmm. and everything else and um, and I went yeah. for some reason I went and I thought man I'm the guy maybe mm -hmm. she'll give me a place to stay and I went there I would manipulate the face and I practiced my line and yeah everything. yeah yeah um, and uh, I asked my mom <laughs> for a place to stay that day was Mother's Day I had no idea it was Mother's Day yeah. I was so zonked out of my mind on this I had no idea it was Mother's Day, and uh, and uh, she um, said no. Mm -hmm. But that same night she sent me SMS. There was on WhatsApp at that time. And yes, this, yes. Uh, different means of communication. She sent me SMS and said, if you want a place to stay, you can sleep in the car in the yard. And uh, I took the opportunity, you know. Profound moment as well, because at that time there was, I was, I was hanging out with this group of guys that were had there were a lot of stolen cars and there was there was a lot of activity like going on there and um, and uh, after she said no to off and I was like man mm -hmm. if I something doesn't change now I'm heading to prison again yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, and uh, she sent me SMS that night while, in, while, while standing with these guys and, and people. And, to say that I sleep in a car in the yard and my mom had this all broken down under the lawn in the car, um, a hole in the roof, uh, wheels are flat and uh, it was winter at that time as well, yeah, uh, was cold. Um, and she left her, graciously left a blanket and a pillow there and there may have been a meal there as well, some pregnant food and I took the opportunity, I slept there the first night. The second night, um, uh, that's when things changed for me. I uh, was high on drugs, sitting in the car, uh, came to my new found home, this audible on the car, and uh, entered the car and that night and dragged out of my mind after my day's adventures, my day of adventure, these on the street and hustling. And uh, I remember just feeling a profound hopelessness. And, uh, Having the deep sense that uh, there is no and mm. dead, mm. destroyed, mm. Uh, and there were a couple of guys like looking for me because I owed them so much money for drugs, and I just thought like, man, I'm dead, there's no hope. And uh, strangest thing happened though, like when I thought that there was no hope, dragged out of my mind, something in me just says, said, Jesus saves. Sure. Jesus saves twice. Oh, why am I thinking about Jesus yes. in the midst of this stuff? Like, and uh, I remember going with my thought patterns going to a, a spiraling again, just thinking there's no hope, I'm dead, there's no hope, there's no hope, there's no hope. And something in me just said, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. And uh, at that point in time, I'm like, uh, I realized that I was a sinner. I, was, I realized that I needed, and I needed Jesus. Mm. I started remembering uh, Sunday school lessons from yeah. way back, way yes. back when I was when yes. I, at this church in, in the suburbs, leafy suburbs growing up, uh, about the fairy tale of Jesus. Yes, yes. Um, and uh, that he died on the cross for our sins and he rose from the dead and that if we put our trust in him, we can be saved and have life yes. with him. And um, all the gospel starts coming to me in this moment yeah. in the car, alone in the car. And, and I realized at that point of my need for him that I have a deeper problem, issue. And it's not that I'm in the car, it's not that I'm uh, a drug addict, it's not that uh, my family social distance themselves from me, it's that uh, uh, I'm a sinner in need of God's grace. And, um, and, and then he found me, he found me. And I, I prayed and prayed in the car, because um, I, I suppose that that's one has to do in those moments. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the prayer went something as simple as this, uh, Jesus forgive me for living for me. Uh, I want to love you. Sure. That was it. Uh, sure. And, uh, and from that moment, my life changed. Uh, and it's so appropriate that you are getting to this point in the story, right? Because the next song actually tells us that we are Jesus. Yet the next song is mine, but I'm his. And it tells us that regardless of what goes on in our life or what we've done, we are His. So enjoy the song, dear listeners. Mine, Barames. Welcome back, dear listeners. You're listening to Testify on Eden FM. I'm Ingrid Carly Moses, and with me is Grant Porter. 
Fourthen, excuse me, <laughs> my my tongue got stuck there. Didn't want to finish uh, the, the, the the syllables. Um, Grant has been telling us such a beautiful story, uh, just about his life. You know, caught up uh, in drugs, um, in and out of prison. Uh, how he got to a moment of um, his mom's intercession. I don't know, mothers. If anything, once again. Here is a, an affirmation to never, ever stop praying for your children. And the roles that grannies play as well. Don't I just know that? So um, his mother prayed for him. He ended up going back to his mom, living in a car. And at that moment, Grant, it, when you say you felt the most hopeless, you had the sense that you had to pray. You had the sense that you had to call out to God. And uh, you prayed the prayer to Jesus. So this was the moment. But did your life change? Did it change significantly? Did it change at that time? Because we know sometimes it takes a while for Jesus to get a, to really get uh, you know um, his love into us and his saving grace into us. Not that it's not available, but into us. Yeah. Yeah, Fred. Um, I yeah. I mean, after, after praying that prayer, um, I um, slept. In the morning I woke up and. I started thinking about, man, like, what does this mean for my life now? Like, I'm in this car, I just had this moment with Jesus, and uh, so what does this mean for my life? And it's crazy because um, after abusing drugs and, man, like, and lots of it, um, and still waking up the next morning thinking, man, I'm, a, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm still an addict, right? Um, um, but spiritually, I'm a son. Um, and uh, but not even thinking that way at that time. But immediately my 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 mind started going back to the gospel and back to what I learned in Sunday school. And my theology went something like this. My theology at the time was you put your faith in Jesus, you trust in Jesus and what He did on the cross, and that gives you you become God's friend. Mm, yeah, my yes. working theology. So next morning thinking about this that I learned in Sunday school, I'm God's friend. Um, I think theologians will call it union with Christ. Mm. And so uh, so the union, but I'm thinking just, oh, you're my friend. And so, so I start like thinking about my friendship with God and um, I start thinking, the thought comes to mind, I think I'm, because if I'm a, a friend of, a friend of God, two things come to mind though. Firstly, uh, I, I have a big friend. Yeah, yeah because this, gospel thing is real, if Jesus is real, then that means that I have access to the one that created the world. So this is me thinking this is the next morning. Wow. Like, okay, so I have a big friend, yeah? And because my friend created the world, that means that he could give me the power to overcome this drug addiction, yeah? Yeah. yeah. And then, so that was the first thought. And so maybe the first thought was like, okay, like, please help me to overcome this because you're big and I need you to overcome. I can't do this. I can't do this on my own. That was the first prayer. The second thing that came to my mind was, um, if you are my friend, then that means I need to speak to you. Mm. Like, I think that's how this thing works. I speak to my friends, and so like I need to speak to you. And so, uh, and, and so I started speaking to God, and, uh, just saying small little prayers, uh, saying it started something like this: Jesus, uh, I really don't know how this works, but like if if uh, I'm your friend and you've saved me and, and so please lead me. And I had no idea where I was going at that moment, but I knew who I was with. I was starting to know like, who I was with. 
was walking with me and, and moving me and uh, it actually started this journey of uh, knowing God but also being led by God mm-hmm. um, and, uh, and so having no one because everybody social distanced themselves from me they both distanced themselves from me but, but God was close now you know yeah. he was near because he didn't do that and, mm-hmm. and I think that just speaks of the grace of God as well because even in the midst of our moving away from him he was close to us by his grace and uh, uh, and so I prayed this prayer Lord okay what now and so I walked out I had my last drug money in my, in my pocket 400 rand mm-hmm. uh, and I walked around the corner and they used to call me G-boy like in our community and my friend the old friend of mine ran out of his house he saw me after praying this prayer he says G-boy uh, I've got this pair of soccer boots mm-hmm. he's walking off at once he's got this pair of soccer boots uh, that he wants to sell brand new Adidas soccer boots. He said, I was saying, how much do you want? He's like 400 rand. And I was like, 400 rand? I've got 400 rand. <laughs> Took my last drug money, bought the soccer boots. This is like five or seven minutes after this prayer, I just prayed. And uh, and I remember that I used to play some soccer when I, yes. before uh, this, going into this. Yeah, 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 when I was younger. And so, uh, bought this bought the soccer boots. Two days later, there's a Muslim guy in the area. He invites me to play for this club. Yeah. Wow. For Christian soccer club. Oh. And, uh, and they met. <laughs> I was like, wow. Like, like, I met uh, my mentor at the time. The guy started discipling me, teaching me about the word, how to pray. <laughs> and and uh, it was the, the craziest thing. I could never sort of put it together. Like, uh, how is it that this Muslim guy is inviting me to this Christian? And these guys are praying and leading me to all these uh, strange new people <laughs> that I start, started speaking into my life and teaching me the way of Jesus. Uh, started attending church with my mom, moved out of the car yes. in the home with them, which was a process on its own. Uh, and, uh, and, and so living at first year was just found myself really being in the Psalms and being in the Word. And I just figured that. If I want to know about this God, then I need to be in the Word. It's just for me, I'm just like the Word. It's there. And I need to be in the Scriptures, and um, because I need to know this friend that I'm with, yes. who is he, you know? And so, so I figured that the Scriptures must be the way to know more. And so, uh, I'm a deep love for the Scriptures in the Psalms specifically, and that was very formative as well because I saw that man that. Especially David and his relationship with God, and he could be real with God. He could there was no fakeness with him. He could bring questions to God. There were unanswered questions, but he could engage God. He never questioned God, but he could bring his questions to God. And I thought, like, wow, that that's amazing. Just seeing him express um, himself at, at that way and living out of this friendship with God and love for God. And, and so that was profoundly formative. In that, so the first year, sort of looking for work and trying to figure, but also having this deep desire and just knowing from the start that God wanted to use me mm-hmm. um, back in our community somehow. Mm-hmm. And so this is so I'm trying to work out what this means, and and uh, but I'm on this journey, right? And so uh, eventually I started I got this coaching job at the school mm-hmm. uh, uh, through this uh, uh, service provider, and they placed me in the same school that uh, I grew up in wow. yeah, yes. so in the community uh-huh. and the parents were absolutely the parents from the community were absolutely freaked out because we used to coach and uh, run for and coach their uh, teams 
uh, on the field that I grew up in, and on, opposite the corner I used to stand on with these with these uh, uh, with, with these uh, uh, friends of mine, yes. of course, bad influences, and uh, and they um, and uh, I heard later on from one of the moms that a couple of moms that they said that man, we were absolutely like. Yes, freaked out. Freaked out. Yeah. 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 the school allow you to like that yeah. and learn the story. Yeah. It's just so out. Yeah. This guy's yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, and so and that was formative. I think God was using football and um, and this coaching thing to to, to start um, just drawing me and um, and uh, closely, but also igniting old passions as well mm-hmm. um, and the gifts uh, and then. After a year, that first year, I did an internship with ambassadors in sport, mm-hmm. um, just feeling called to, to, to mission. And so um, God opened the door for me to do an internship. I did that for a year, and then uh, I just felt the call to go to Bible college. Okay. Um, and, uh, and so God provided an opportunity mm-hmm. to do that. And so uh, here's a guy that just like finished. <laughs> passed with triple, like two percent. <laughs> and, uh, and so, so now I studied at George Walker College. I had this opportunity to study there, uh, my degree in theology, and, and so that was provided. God just provided that for me. And there's a story behind that as well. And, uh, and but there again, just thinking about man, what does this theology mean for our communities? Mm-hmm. What does the practice mean? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and so that was sort of the burning question that was that was in me over over. Years that was driving me forward. Then, okay. What does the mission of God look like within tough neighbors? Mm-hmm. So that question mm-hmm. uh, was evolving, and then post Bible college and the opportunity to uh, do some ministry in Mitchellstown because did a curacy there, and then I was sort of forced into this pastor role, yeah. a leadership yeah. role, uh, and uh, you know some people see stuff in you, and you're like. You just like that. I think that's something different. Yes. And uh, and then um, and then just working out like what does this call mean and what does it look like in our community particular. And um, uh, there was a profound moment at Bible College that shaped my thinking and shaped up um, practice. Is uh, at Bible College this lady uh, who was a missionary in Bangladesh actually. She uh, introduced incarnational mission. Mm. Uh, to me for the first time and when she said that and the nature of incarnation is being present with people and being in their homes and mm. being with them mm. and when she started like teasing out the theology of it but also the practice of it man, I just thought that this is what Jesus did and this is what we are called to do you know and, and uh, in our buildings and everything they serve their purpose but man, the, the people of God are meant to be Proximity with people, you know, present with people, um, and uh, and and we need to get close enough, just as Jesus did. You know? Yeah. So, um, and that was shaped also because when I was on that corner growing up and doing um, my stuff, mm-hmm. church people always walked on the other side of the road. You know, <laughs> they, they never, they, 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 and maybe they had the right, they were fearful, but yes. yes. uh, part of the same community, though. Yeah. Part of the same <laughs> Uh, but they always walked on the other side, yeah. and that picture of like, wow, the church actually walking on the other side, and man, we are lost, we are like the outcast of the community, you know. And, but but the, this picture of the church 
hooking it out of the way. Yeah. Maybe God touched these guys because yeah. they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna make us unclean, you know. And uh, uh, but that's not what Jesus did. Jesus moved towards people that were sick. He came to the sick, and we were definitely sick. Yeah. And so the, the the presence of God, in terms of incarnational ministry and being present with people and closing down the distance and love, that shaped me profoundly mm. and. Uh, and uh, which led us to our next chapter, us moving away from, uh, I met my wife at the time as well, at Bible College in our last year, and we were doing ministry in Mitchell's Plain, and, uh, and we then had this opportunity to, uh, to lead the first Eden Team, Incarnational yes. Community Team, uh, Missional Community in Cape Town. Okay. So Grant, um, we're going to go to a song now, and we come back. Grant's going to just share a little bit with us what he does now um, in in the, the community, and just yeah, if there's any interest in terms of others uh, getting to know him better. So we're going to play the song called Hosanna by Hillsong Worship. Welcome back, dear listeners. You're listening to Testify on Eden FM, and so Grant has uh, told us his story. Yes, again, young person with drugs. Um, long time in the game, gangsterism, in and out of prison, um, finding his way to Jesus, thankfully through the prayers of his mother as well and his grandmother, but at the moment making a decision um, to become Jesus' friend, to accept Jesus as his friend actually, um, and that leading him on a journey. So Grant, you went to Bible college, you were then part of the Eden team, you're still in ministry. So what is it that you're doing now and, and what word of encouragement and motivation do you have for our listeners? Yeah, so I've managed to serve uh, and, and lead this missional community um, in a place called Salterville in Cape Town, linked to Jubilee Community Church and uh, loved our time there, it was so formative. And my Jubilee Church was such an encouragement, such a gift to us in that time. And but at the end of 2021, my wife and I, uh, God had actually given us something in 2021, beginning of 2021, a renewal network, mm. uh, which was actually quite telling because uh, I like being the destruction. We, this word of renewal just spoke to me about this new thing that God wanted to do in us and through us, you know. And, uh, and and so parked it. I uh, didn't have the courage and the faith to move into it. It's COVID as well. Like it's the worst time to make any moves. And uh, but at the end of 2021, we just felt like we couldn't deny this call to 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 move on and, and start this thing. And so what we do network is is we are micro church movement. Uh, we are our system, uh, that plants micro churches. A micro church is a small faith community uh, that shapes their around, around uh, their lives around three uh, movements and that is Jesus up uh, community which means that we go in with one another and we go out in mission mm-hmm. those three things and when we think about the church and the movement of the church we through Jesus life through the early church we see those three things within every church actually no matter how you express yourself you want to go high on Jesus, go high in doing life and caring for one another, and uh, man, we, we want to go high by the grace of God to to, to reach the world and uh, with Jesus, with this message. And so, so those three things. And so we plant small faith communities, micro churches that embody those three um, three uh, dimensions of movements, 
and uh, so far we planted four um, in, in Cape Town and with the bias to communities of promise which are communities on the margins of society mm -hmm. and so um, it's a new way of doing church all four of those, all those micro churches they they uh, connect with one another um, and so even though they express uh, on a, uh, a micro level on a macro level we are trying to connect communities Cape Town is a, is a, is a place that's very um, segregated still because yeah. of it living with the legacy of apartheid and so I think part of this vision is to uh, participate in a, in a journey of being bridge builders mm -hmm. and bringing people together uh, in, a, in a way of doing church it's a bit more fluid Mm -hmm. um, because often our churches, our church expressions are, are um, located in a specific building, um, and we praise God for that. Um, but uh, but sometimes that hinders us from crossing the, the barriers, you know, in our context as well. And so so this gives us an opportunity that's a bit more fluid, uh, where we can meet anywhere, uh, and we can cross journey crossing those those racial barriers, and then also redistribute. Finance mm -hmm. towards a bit more uh, vigorously, and uh, you know, uh, um, uh, to those communities as well to bring kingdom renewal. Um, there's amazing people doing amazing stuff in the Cape Flats Township areas, and, and so um, we as a renewal network uh, have placed ourselves there, mm -hmm. um, you know, and uh, and so so that's what we do, um, and. Uh, and yeah, that's what we're doing now. Um, uh, we, we planted four so far. It's a very much early in our, our journey, um, but God has been really, really gracious mm -hmm. to us. Mm -hmm. Have we got any words of motivation for people that are listening um, or for our listeners this evening that might find themselves having a child that's, you know, in a way with life or um, a person that's in a way with life and just happens to be listening to your testimony this evening? Do you have any words of encouragement for them? Yeah, the, the word that comes to mind is um, that it's this, this, the words of Jesus where he says that all things are possible for those who believe. Yeah? All things are possible. And it's interesting when Jesus uh, says those words, he's uh, speaking to someone that's, that's going through some stuff. The son has been, the, this guy's son has been going through uh, a really, really tough tough time of destruction and despair because of uh, the son is demon possessed yeah. um, and the situation is out of control, right? And uh, the father of the son says, if you can, will you please um, heal my son? And Jesus says, if you can. Um, and then he says, all things are possible for those that believe. And so, and I think there's an invitation there. Um, actually, the father responds, he says, uh, Lord, I believe, help me with my unbelief. And I think sometimes in moments of despair and destruction, we can be, we can think that uh, that we can come to Jesus with it sometimes and think, man, can you do this thing? You know, can you, is it possible? Because the situation gets too overwhelming. Um, but I just hear the, the voice of God saying, ah, he's able, he's able to do it. He's able, all things are possible with him. And in fact, we can come to Jesus with the faith that we have and we can be really, really real with him as well, just as that guy was. And say, man, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. Yeah. I, I believe that you can do this. Mm -hmm. and so uh, so come with the faith that you have to Jesus. And uh, if there is unbelief in the situation, which is normal, uh, trust that, that he's able to give you the gift of faith. And he's able to come through and move uh, your situation of despair and destruction and bring your life in it. And I, I really believe 
that that's what God wants to do for us uh, individually, but also as a country, man, I think we are, like you uh, there's an a, a author by the name of Mark Sayers. He says, uh, he says, crisis precedes renewal. Crisis precedes renewal. And, uh, and so you might be in a moment of crisis now, but I, I believe that God is saying, crisis always precedes renewal and, uh, in Jesus. And, uh, and that might be for your personal situation, but I believe that's a word for, for South Africa as well, being a moment of crisis. Yeah. Uh, but it always precedes renewal. So uh, we have faith for God to do that work. And, uh, and we realize that we can't do this work alone. Mm-hmm. And uh, we want to hold hands with everyone and anyone. I think this is a team sport. And this is an amazing opportunity for, for all of us to participate in this work of renewal that God's calling us to do in our context. Thank you so much, Grant. And so there you have it, listeners. Um, beautiful testimony once again. And for us to just keep on knowing that God is with us. And never give up praying. Especially moms, grandmoms, never, ever, ever give up praying. And so we're going to close off our program this evening in a very short prayer. Grant, do you mind praying for us then, please? Thank you. Sure. Jesus, we just want to say that you're the best, you're the greatest, and all things were made by you, through you, and for you, and we want to say that all things are possible with you. Lord, you said you have come to give life, and life to the full, and Lord, we, we pray, Lord, uh, that you would bring life where there's despair, and destruction, and there is death, and Lord, um, Pray, Lord, for listeners that might be going through some stuff right now. I pray, Lord, that they'll draw life from you and, Lord, that you would bring a, a fresh work, a new work of renewal in that specific situation. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, that you are able. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that, that you meet us in our despair, that you meet us in our weakness. And, Lord, you say that your grace is sufficient in our weakness. And so, Lord, we come to you with that. Uh, Lord, we don't only pray for that specific needs that our listeners, the listeners might be having, Lord, but we pray, Lord, also for um, South Africa. Lord, you're indeed a, 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 as your nation, as your people. And so, Lord, would you come and bring kingdom renewal in our land? Uh, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good night, dear listeners. Be blessed. Until we meet again next week.